Now, one of my favorite movies of all time is the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And at the end of that movie, Indiana is hanging on his dad's hands, played by Sean Connery, in this open chasm. With the other hand, he's reaching for the Holy Grail. And at that moment, he has to make a decision to save his own life or to grab that Holy Grail. Now, grabbing for a good cup shouldn't be that dramatic in that cinematic scene, but if you want a good tumbler, you should go over to bluecoolers.com. They have a great selection of tumblers there. These tumblers are fantastic. They will keep your beverage cool all day long. Or if you're that lukewarm dude who likes that water right out of that tap, it's going to keep at that temperature. You want to throw some ice cubes in there, tickle your tonsils, nice cool water, there you go. It's going to help you keep your beverage cool or warm all day long. So go over to bluecoolers.com, grab yourself one of those tumblers. You could buy a cooler, but I think you should crawl before you walk. Go get yourself a tumbler, see how awesome they are, and then go back to bluecoolers.com, check out their, their ice chests, and you'll see how good their ice chests are. So go over to bluecoolers.com, tell them that Adam and Eric sent you from the Staying in Trouble podcast. They probably will not discount anything, but it'll be pretty cool if you do. So go check them out at bluecoolers.com. Hey, welcome to Staying in Trouble with Adam Short and Eric Humes. This is going to be uh, episode one of the interview with Josh Silito, a certified therapist. We are going to jump and dive right into the mental health of all of us during this great quarantine of 2020. So uh, please enjoy this episode. Eric will be joining us uh, via the phone, so please be patient of any technical difficulties we may have, some of the background noises or whatever, but it's, it's a great interview with Josh, and we get into a lot of good information. So please stick around and also tune in to episode two to this wonderful interview with Josh Silito. That amplified noise you report inside my ozone was so prone to homegrown my own voice. And letting you roam was such a poor choice. I'm nothing without your poise. I love that old joy. And ever since B left me, she won't speak unless I speak. Alright, welcome to another episode of Staying in Trouble with Adam Short and Eric Humes. Uh we're here at the Rooftop Realty Studio, but Eric is not with us. We're we're really practicing that social distance. 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 Ah, can't even talk this morning. We're keeping away from each other, like far away. Eric, I'm down here in Laughlin, Nevada, and uh, really enjoying the weather and the river down here. <laughs> yeah. I thought that would be a a good way to stay distance from you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's far enough away. So he, he's joining us by uh, telephone, and uh, we have a, a guest here that uh, that we have set up. Uh, like to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My name is Joshua Silito, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Like to share just a few insights, um, a few things that I've come across, especially recently. Yeah, well, I, there's probably a lot to talk about. 
we may be unpacking a lot here, which I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, I've, I've always a pro person to, uh, to go to therapy. I mean, I've, I've gone many times, and uh, it's helped me out, helped me put my thoughts and my mind and my, you know, sometimes a little bit of issues at rest. I think, I think sometimes people, it, it comes with a, I, I, I don't know, I don't want to say a bad name, but sometimes when people, you know, hear that, they kind of, it's something that a lot of people keep quiet. I'll say it like that. Is that better? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's something that I think more and more people are, are actually being more open to recently. But, um, but yeah, there's still stigma. There's still people that yeah. are avoiding therapy because yeah. they don't want to be seen as someone going to therapy. And, and, and Josh, that's why we really wanted, we we've actually been looking forward to having you on and is, you know, we talk about, about men's issues and a lot of times actually, you know, uh, this has been, we've been trying to have you on that, you know, Adam alluded to him going to therapy. I've gone to therapy is there's certain times in life when you need to, uh, you know, exercise your mental muscle. And, and I think even right now, now that we're in this crisis mode with the virus, um, I think there's even more aspects, right? I mean, being quarantined to a house and with just your surroundings, <laughs> uh, I bet a lot of people are feeling like the walls are caving in. You know, there's a lot of memes out there that says, hey, I just, you know, I just met this new girl on the couch. Oh, yeah, it's my wife of 10 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> And so, like, what are you doing? Like, can you give us, like, at least, like, five to ten things, Josh, that, you know, maybe uh, we can look for or some mental exercises, like some advice, I guess, five tips from, from, from you know, Dr. Josh on, on how we could get, uh, how we can stay mentally fit during this quarantine time. <laughs> I, I can for, for sure give you a few tips. Um, I'm, I'm not Dr. Josh though. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of new, new to this field. I, I love it. I love what I do as a therapist and, um, I, I've only been in it for about five years and, but I, I really have, uh, found a lot of joy and happiness in helping other people through whatever challenges that they face. So, so I'm more speaking on behalf of myself rather than from like a doctorate degree, um, I'm, I'm a master's. And so, um, but a few things that have kind of come up more recently with individuals that I've talked with is, uh, there's been different perspectives on what's going on here, um, personally and with their family. If someone is more, more financially stable, more emotionally stable, if they're feeling like they have positive relationships and they have toilet paper, <laughs> then, then they actually then they actually look at this as like an opportunity to get closer to each other. Um, they actually are looking forward to this time to slow down, to do the things that kind of matter most uh, in many ways. So I've also had other perspectives where uh, it's ripping them out of their normal schedule. Um, maybe they go to school and they look forward to seeing their friends and socializing and then they have conflict with family and now they're quarantined all in one house, all under one roof. 
and some of their mental health has really declined actually and we've we've been able to have have to work through where where can they find that that sense of security and safety in the midst of chaos um i've had other perspectives that um yeah maybe they already have anxiety and now they become more and more paranoid of what could happen if they or someone else that they love get the virus and so I've seen quite a few different perspectives on this. Yeah. Full range. Full range. Well, that makes sense. If you were kind of struggling with the problem before this, like anxiety mm-hmm. or maybe a problem in your marriage or family relations, this will definitely <laughs> enhance that. It's like you're, you're getting thrown right into the trenches of your problem. And and are you, are, are you still seeing clients or patients? Do you call them patients? Clients. Clients, yeah. yeah. Are, are you still seeing them during this time? I am. I am. And, and you know, we need to make sure, right, with the social dis- distancing, right? So I've given my clients options. So one, if they want to do the online telehealth, mm-hmm. they for sure, we switch over to that. We kind of zoom form. in or something like that. Uh-huh, yeah, doxy.me, same thing. Um, yeah. So so we have that option, Um in in some ways there have been a few clients that have actually said i need to get out of the house Mm -hmm. and so we of course sanitize everything keep our distance no handshakes um you know we we take take precautions but for them part of their mental health is actually getting out of the house and so we just do everything we can to make sure that we aren't a part of the problem but we're part of the solution absolutely i i kind of I won't lie, like last night, we had a good day yesterday as a family, kind of hung out. But as the evening wore on, being home an entire week, not being able to go to work, just staying at home, it's been kind of nice, but it's starting to, to, the, the craziness is starting to set in a little bit. This is very unusual for, for, for our family. Yeah. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and, and, and he's a CPA in San Francisco, and he brought that up. He said, you know what? Right now, like the first week was like the fun week. Right? Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> the first week of dating. Oh, she's so cute. Oh, this is great. And now we're moving into like the second week of quarantine. And in the second week of quarantine, oh, you know what? We already went on that date. We already went to that restaurant. We already... Mm-hmm. We already did that, right? We've already been on that trail. And now it's not fun and new. Now it's, and going back to economics too, Josh, that's what he said. He said, it's all fun and dandy if you've got toilet paper. But now, week two, people are going to start to realize even people who are quote unquote getting their checks, they're going to be way, like the MGM and Win workers, they're going to be much smaller paychecks. And so how do you deal with that, right? How do you deal with the economics that, hey, this is going to take a while. Like the hunkering part of the whole process actually starts this this week and and the next week. It's not last week. Yeah, absolutely. The the honeymoon of the great quarantine of 2020 is over. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time to really get to work. And and, and I think... uh, I think you're right, Josh, that when you, when you said that, that like 
if you are stable in your relationships and stable with yourself and stuff and financially secure, this may not be that bad of a deal. But like Eric just said, it's going to get real for a lot of people real fast this week. It will. It will. I, I worked in an agency. Um, it was about, uh, I ended there probably about eight months ago, but I was there for a year. And a lot of my clientele was from those that were working on the strip, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's with culinary or MGM direct or with some of those, those insurances, Teamsters, um, with those unions. So a lot, I, that's actually something that I've been reflecting on is a lot of my former clients actually are all laid off or they're, they're just more of like they're waiting to hear what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so a term that keeps showing up for me is the word uncertainty. I think uncertainty seems to encompass what is happening with us right now, at least for a lot of people that I've worked with, you know, yeah, that, that I've been talking to. And that uncertainty um, is something that we tend to avoid as humans as much as possible <laughs> um, because it leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us in a vulnerable state where we can be hurt. And um, so, yeah, that word uncertainty keeps showing up. And there's ways that I've been trying to work with some of my clients um, in dealing with some of that uncertainty, but we can kind of get to that later on. You know, and we had an episode a little bit earlier. It was just Eric and I, and we talked about that. And I, I know there's, there's opportunities out there that are helping along the way, like HUD announcing they're not going to foreclose on your home. They're not going to uh, evict anyone that's in a rental situation. A lot of like Bank of America and some of the other um, creditors out there that are not going to start, um, what's the right word, Eric? Like go in and have collections or, 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 or go after some of these payments that may go into default because of like this kind of situation. So those are kind of yeah, nice. Really for, it's called forbearance. Most yeah, most lenders and even on credit cards, because I know a lot of people stress on that too, on their personal debts and their, their HELOCs is, you know, how is that all going to play out? And so that's important to know as well is that, you know, uh, you know, we, we, as Americans, we were a consumer society. And so people owe on their phones, on their cars, on their, you know, everything. And how's that going to, you know, play out? So, yeah, absolutely. And that may help with that fear of the unknown a little bit, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of business owners that have been mandated by the governor, uh, to close down if they're not a priority service in one way or the other. And then last week they announced uh, that they're going to start enforcing that. And that, uh, and because of that, there's a lot of businesses that are very nervous right now that they don't know what the future is going to hold and, and how this is going to come back. And us being a, a vacation site, like how quick, even after the quarantine's over, after maybe we get control, the fear of traveling and stuff, when is that going to settle down? We may feel this in the Valley weeks after all of this is done because we're waiting for travel to start coming back, people to start booking vacations, coming to Vegas, spending their money and, and building our, um, economic, our economic situation here in Las Vegas to grow better, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. 
but, sure. but but back to like more of the the mental state we talk a lot on the show about physical fitness and stuff like that we've had many guests on but uh so while you're at home and maybe with some people tightening up their budget strings i hate to say it, but they they may have to cut someone like you out of their life mm-hmm. for budget reasons they got to buy food they got to buy toilet paper they got to buy these sure. other items that are important and maybe their therapy budget may have to be cut into to cover some of this other stuff. And uh, there's been times that I've had to call Mike. There's, Hey, I'm not going to see you for a little while. I got this to pay for that to pay for. What can people do on their own to maybe keep their, basically keep their sanity? Great question. One one of the things that I've uh, talked to a few individuals about is that they need a place environmentally um, and it's hard it's hard to find that in the home or outside of the home whether that's at a nearby park or something like that but environmentally a place where they can refresh a safe place if you want to call it um, so for some people it might be in their backyard on the bench and mm-hmm. that's their place where they can get away They can refresh, they can think, they can process through things, they can breathe, they can get fresh air. Um, The idea is, is oftentimes we'll talk about how we need to change ourselves, right? But sometimes we also need to talk about how, how our environment actually changes us. And so by simply changing our environment, it can change our mood. It can shift our emotional states. So that idea is, I think, very pertinent, especially when we're all in this enclosed spot, right? Mm -hmm. So even if that's for you to to spend an extra 10 minutes in the restroom, like like that's maybe your spot to reflect, to chill, to breathe, to then be able to engage in the world and with your family in a more genuine, less irritated manner. <laughs> oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I, I, I can contest to that. We, my wife has been wanting to get rid of this couch in our family room for the longest time. She wanted it pulled out to big sectional, pain in the butt to move around. Well, guess, you all right there, buddy? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I had to open the door. And <laughs> no, it's all good. Quick. Sorry about that. Hey, no, you're good. You're good, bud. I just, I'm super excited. I'm super pumped. That Josh, in the back, or, um, he's pumped about something. Will, yeah, will laugh thoroughly at that comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but she wanted to get rid of this sectional, this couch. Uh-huh. So, I had plenty of time. So we did that. We moved it all out. We deep cleaned, cleaned the tile. We did all this work all day long, and we moved the furniture around in the entire house. And it gave a fresh feel in the house. And all of a sudden, that confinement, that feeling of like the walls coming in, confinement went away. Yeah. It was like a new place. It was like a, a, a new way. It was our same old furniture. We didn't go out and buy new furniture, but we moved it all around. Everything has changed. Yeah. And then we cleaned it up so it, fr- it feels fresh, it feels clean, it smells clean. And we, you know, we, we went a little overboard on the cleaning because of everything that's happening, yeah, yeah. but it feels totally different in our home. So that, that gave us a new feel on Wednesday. 
Yep. And then Sunday, <laughs> it started to cave in a little bit more <laughs> because you're getting used to the situation again. So finding well, that I space. Think something that you, something that we, that's that my wife pointed out was a good tip. She's like, I didn't feel like she was in this mode of teacher, cook, counselor, game player. Like she yeah. has all these roles to play now with the kids being quarantined. Yeah. And she's like, she, I think she found what really made a huge difference for us was her ability to uh, feel accomplished. And what I mean by that, so uh, Saturday we cleaned out our set and did some purging and did a lot of cleaning out. That helped helped me out mentally. Like she's like, yeah, let's try to you know at least once a day do something to where we feel accomplished. And I think you know we're used to we're in that mode of going to work and accomplishing things. Well, now we're quarantined, we're not going to work, or if we're laid off or we're doing less, you don't have that sense of accomplishment. Josh, is there is that good advice for everyone or uh, just for us? <laughs> just just for you guys. Just no, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is really good advice. And to go along with that, what of what you're saying um, is there, yeah, there may be projects that you've been wanting to get to for a long time. Like now is a perfect time. It sounds like I've talked to a few people that are redoing their bathroom or their, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, this is a time for them to come together as a family and work on a project. And that can be very bonding in and of itself. But I want to hit on your, your idea, Eric, of feeling accomplished because yeah, you can get sucked in and you can feel like I've done nothing today. Like I, the walls are coming in and I feel like I haven't done anything. So for some people, to-do lists are very helpful, right? And they feel accomplished when they when they cross it off the list. But at the same time, if someone is already dealing with um, they're they're not having this self-efficacy or or higher levels of self-esteem, a to-do list feels daunting and actually feels like a burden, like they're getting crushed by everything that's not happening and that they haven't accomplished on their list. So one technique that I like to use that can be helpful for some individuals is to not do a to-do list, but flip it. And I call it a ta-da list, almost like, like a celebration, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. ta-da. Okay. ta-da. And so the whole goal of the ta-da list is that anything that you do during the day, you actually write down what you accomplish. Okay. And then you take about five to 10 seconds to actually appreciate and celebrate what just happened and be grateful for it. And then what happens is even the small things, that's the thing. Like for some people, waking up in the morning needs to be number one on their list. Like I got out of bed. Like, let me take a moment to celebrate that. Let me write it down and record it. You know, I, I made myself breakfast. I made my family breakfast, whatever it might be. Record it and take a moment to actually be grateful for it and to be proud of yourself. And what happens is you start building momentum. Okay. And you start thinking, wow, I wonder what, what else I can put on my list. Like, that, that feels good. I, I have a positive reaction to this. So people start creating this to list and they realize, wow, 
I actually did something. Now I've done that. I'll, I'll kind of simplify it right here. Um, there was someone that was, <laughs> she looked through her whole day and she was like, I accomplished nothing. Like she felt horrible, right? Uh-huh. Felt like she hadn't done anything throughout the day. So we did a Tada list at the end. Like, okay, well let's go through every, let's simplify every small thing that you did. By the end, she had a full page of things that she had accomplished. She didn't even realize it. Oh, wow. And we took a moment to celebrate the small things. And her whole emotional state completely shifted to feeling that accomplishment and motivation to actually look forward to the next day. Wow, I want to do this again rather than dread of what's, what I'm going to be burdened with and not accomplish. That's terrific advice to create that list. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is also a good time to maybe even start, start some new habits, start some new hobbies, you know, and, and I mean, obviously we got to stay at home, so it's limited, but even like journal keeping, um, maybe getting into a book you've always wanted to get into that there's all kinds of smaller little things. Um, same thing with meditation, it, you know, finding that place, meditate, live in the now at the, you know, at that very moment. But going back to journaling, I think that's huge. Uh, I'm keeping a daily log of this quarantine 2020 for the short family, you know, and, and I'm going in and I'm, I'm just talking about everything that's going on. Rumors we hear, uh, stuff that's happening, it just all kinds of stuff. And it, it's something that I'm able to do every morning. It kind of, I don't know, it centers me in a way, you know, journaling's always been a, a point. And I think, uh, I, I received that counsel from one of my therapists way back in the day that keep a daily journal, but learn how to open up and really write, like really write in there. And you're going to have pages in your journal that probably not going to look very pretty, but you open up and you're honest with yourself and you write those feelings, not worrying about how you write, even the spelling of the words. Don't even worry about any of that. Just put it on paper. And there's something. And Josh. I have a question. It's something that you hit on earlier, and uh, we've talked about centering. Going back to anxiety, uh, I personally don't uh, understand that, and so it's also hard for me to help others because I do feel like I've got people that I know that you know check the stats every day and see the amount of cases going up seeing the amount of deaths go up and I, I can see it in their eyes, how mentally the walls inside their heads, like the anxiety starts, you know, multiplying. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do for, for clients who are really struggling with anxiety or maybe didn't struggle with it before, but now given the situation, it's been amplified yeah. and now it's becoming a bit more of an issue. Well, maybe maybe just a, a brief background um, with anxiety that might kind of help with that too. And by the way, I, journaling I think will help with any problem that we're dealing with, right? Whether we're feeling down, feeling happy, feeling anxious, um, feeling overwhelmed, us being in tune with our emotions and learning how to regulate and process through that um, really does help us to become our best selves and we feel a difference physically as well like, oh, yeah. like there's 
it affects our physical health as well. So if we're dealing with chronic pain, if we're dealing with chronic stress, whatever it is, yeah, journaling. Huge. Huge, huge on that. And journaling will actually really help with anxiety too because you actually identify what you are worried about. Um, oftentimes it's just this vague gray cloud that we aren't sure about and it just keeps looming and keeps attacking us, right? But a little bit of background with the anxiety is sometimes I actually think it's amazing that we all aren't constantly anxious all the time. Like I'm actually more impressed with that because you think about all the threats that we have, right? Part of anxiety is the anticipation of, of a threat or a potential threat, right? Uh-huh. Whether it's, it's real or imagined, okay? So there's a reason why we have this fight or flight response, right? If you want to, you know, say, you know, there's a caveman and his, his, you know, tribe all together and they see some rustling in a bush and their brain, if they first would have started thinking like, oh, it's probably just a little bird, you know, mm-hmm. then the saber tooth tiger or whatever jumps out and eats them. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you're first going to think, oh my gosh, like, like there's something dangerous in that bush. There's a reason why we have that in our brain and that can help us, right? It helps save us. But when it's an overdrive, right, that's, that's when every threat that may not be a threat is interacting with our physiology and our nervous system all the time. I mean, it, it creates a lot of problems for us and for the people that we love, right? And for us actually accomplishing what we want to accomplish in life. So my idea is first, normalizing it like it's a good thing that you're that that part of your nervous system is working Mm -hmm. like and i'm just impressed that not everyone all the time is freaking out because at any moment asteroid can hit us you know at any moment you know coronavirus you know at any moment you know we can get hit by a car like at any moment you know, things can be happening. And so your brain is trying to anticipate every single potential threat, whether, and oftentimes with, with relationships, it's anticipating rejection or it's anticipating some sort of emotional hurt because emotional threats registered in the same part of the brain as physical threats. Sometimes we would prefer physical pain over emotional pain. So we become hypervigilant right? Our radar is always going off. Oftentimes that's because we've been socialized to in our parent-child relationships, family relationships, traumatic events, things that happen. There's a reason why we're feeling that. Yeah. Some people might have a temperament that is more angled towards anxiety. There's other reasons for it. You know, maybe, maybe there's hyperthyroidism, right? Maybe there's some sort of medical problem. So maybe that's just a little bit of background is kind of normalizing the anxiety. And then your question, Eric, was how do we, how do we better understand what they're going through, how to empathize with it, or what, what's your direct question in, in that area? Yeah, my direct question is like, it's just that. Like, you know, it's funny when you were saying that someone who has anxiety uh, – actually is more sensitive in their nervous system. My stepdad growing up always said I was I was dead for the from the butt both ways. And now I'm wondering if that really is true actually. 
And, uh, but my, my, my question was like, I don't necessarily feel like the walls are caving in mentally for me. Like I don't worry about what the virus is doing today. I rarely check those stats, but I have a lot of friends around me who do, they know the stats backwards and forward. They're like, you know, New York saw a 6% jump today. And they're like, the world is, is, is worse today because of it. And I'm like, Oh, calm down. I'm more of a deal deal with the situation in front of me instead of the deal with the situation that may be out there, uh, you know, lurking in the hills. I'm more of like, Hey, what's going on right now? Yeah. 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 Very good. I, I guess how I would, I would probably address that is, is that, I know this is kind of a, a weird analogy, but for for some people who did not want Trump to become president and and somehow he became president, that actually became very very unstable for some people. Like that that took mm-hmm. out their sense of security in some ways, right? And and so and I'm I'm not saying I'm for Trump or against Trump. Like I don't like like I've, I'm not political in this area at all in the way of it's more of the idea of when something, something that you didn't expect happens and it throws off your security, okay? It's actually called an attachment injury when it comes to relationships, right? If there's, a, if there's a, an affair or um, some sort of betrayal of some sorts, your secure place now has been ripped out of you out from underneath you and now your your belief about yourself about the world and about others takes a shift now i don't trust people as much because i keep getting hurt or i got hurt in this very intimate way in some ways i think for some people their security or their safety has been ripped out from underneath them to think that something so small has created so much devastation economically, um, medically, impacting every part of our life, mm-hmm. infiltrated everything. That idea of security for some people has has been has crumbled in some ways, right? It's not as firm as it was, and so their their belief about themselves, about others, about the world, has shifted in some way. So then, keeping tabs on all that, right? It'd be weird if we saw a threat and then we stopped looking at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So for them, it is real. It is like personal in some ways. But for many of my clients, I actually would say um, if you want to look at the statistics, if you want to keep tabs on all those things, let's do it after 5 o'clock. Or, you know, Let's let's begin our day in a proactive way where we're not reactive, where we're feeling like a victim mm-hmm. in everything. And if we can start our day off in a proactive state where we're journaling, where we're we're giving into meditation, we're praying, we're spending time with family, we're doing something that is meaningful to us. If you want to keep tabs, create a certain time throughout the day. Maybe there's a half an hour or fifteen minutes where you can dedicate totally to coronavirus and that's okay but it's when it's throughout the whole entire day 
and that absorbs all of your mental capacity, that takes away from the things that matter most to them. Awesome.